the Oklahoma Sooners aren't going to be the SEC version of Nebraska, Stuart Mandel. We'll talk about that and some new recruiting rankings on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on the Ref, 94.7 The Ref in Norman from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday. Josh, what's going on, man? Oh, man, not not a whole heck of a lot. Um, another week in the books, my friend. How are you? Doing fantastic. Doing a little bit better maybe than Stuart Mandel. Uh, at one point, I guess, after the Oklahoma and Texas news broke that they were heading to the SEC, our, our friend over at The Athletic, the one that uh, also was chiping, ch- chiming in, chirping about Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley left, uh, believes that Oklahoma or believed that Oklahoma would become the next Nebraska uh, in a mailbag article over at the athletic, which I like the athletic. It's a great you know resource, great uh, site for information. And Stuart Mandel does a really good job. He's a good writer, except for when he's taking shots at Oklahoma. Um, just answered a question from a, a reader in Ponca city, basically asking, Hey, you said that Oklahoma would be the next Nebraska when it moved to the sec um, said that if we start the, with the first college football playoff here, where would you guess the Sooners would have finished in the SEC had they been members? My guess is they would have averaged four and a half. Um, so what do you make of all of Stuart Mandel's comments? Just what were what kind of what do you think Oklahoma's kind of projection into the SEC is? So I'll just read a portion of what Stuart Mandel replied back with just the first little bit to give you the gist. Stuart Mandel wrote back to Joel in Ponca City. He said, people took that answer in a direction I did not intend. I didn't mean to suggest Oklahoma will become Scott Frost level bad once it joins the SEC. But when Nebraska joined the Big Ten in 2011, it was largely viewed as the league's fourth blue blood, joining Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Based on its history, Nebraska would be expected to regularly compete for championships. And in fact, the Cornhuskers reached the title game in year two. But today, Nebraska would no more be considered Big Ten royalty than Iowa, than Wisconsin, than Michigan State. And the program lost some of its identity along the way. So that sets the stage for sort of how Stuart Mandel views Oklahoma's move to the SEC. Do I think that by the time we reconvene, what would this 2011 to now in a dozen years that we'll look back and no longer view Oklahoma as a blue blood and that Oklahoma will have not Scott Frost level bad, John, but a similar downward trajectory by joining the SEC? I really don't. I I really don't. And maybe I'm still drinking way too much Kool-Aid. And what was the what was the way this gentleman 
Joel, uh, Joel from Ponca City phrased it. He said, uh, the, the folks on Sports Talk Radio, the sports radio in Oklahoma is having none of it. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to quote him as directly as I could. He's right. I am having none of it. I just don't see that trajectory for Oklahoma. I know they ripped off a six and seven. There's every reason to be disappointed and frustrated by that, John. But the recruiting rankings, the transfer portal rankings, a lot of what Brent Venables in Oklahoma has done, who Oklahoma has been for the past quarter century. Do I think that Oklahoma is going to go into the SEC and definitively be Alabama or Georgia? No, I'm less confident in that. But I think they're going to be the school right behind them. And I do think here and there Oklahoma is going to win SEC championships. And I'm holding out that glimmer of hope as well. I'm not going to – I'm not going to – plant my flag and stake my claim to it, John, but I'm also not going to be surprised if Oklahoma morphs into Alabama and Georgia before it's all said and done in part because of the move to the SEC. Again, not going to sit here and say that absolutely slam dunk that's going to happen. But to me, the recruiting tea leaves are on the wall that Oklahoma is trending in a direction to be who Oklahoma has been very, very competitive at the highest level in the SEC. There's no reason to believe that they won't get to that point eventually. I think they'll be a competitive team in 2024. I don't know if they'll contend for the SEC title in 2024. That'll be Jackson Arnold's first year as a starter in the league. Although, if Jackson Arnold is what we think he's going to be, he's going to be pretty good, and that could very well put them in contention for the SEC title. Yeah, it's hard for you to believe that they're going to just kind of sit back and become the fourth blue blood in the SEC conference. You know, Kyle Umlong, uh of Texas Twitter fame um, comes out with his like annual blue blood rankings. And aside from Oklahoma and Texas, there's only one sec team that's listed in the top as a blue blood and that's Alabama. So, I mean, Georgia's on the cusp because of their recent history, but historically they just haven't been that, but Kirby smart has them on the cusp of Kyle Umlong's blue blood uh, rankings. So something to be said for that. But I, I mean, I think they, they factor in right in with that second tier of teams, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, to a lesser extent. I mean, they're really good now, but haven't always haven't been that much of the last decade, you know, Auburn to a little bit lesser extent, you know, they're kind of right in that LSU, Florida range. And then every once in a while, there's a Tennessee or a, an Auburn that pops up there as well. So, I mean, they're on the cusp of being, one of the better teams in the sec year in and year out. So yeah, I, I get what Stuart Mandel is saying in that, you know, over the course of, and one, one of the way he answered the question was over the course of 23 seasons in the sec, um, there were, or sorry, since 1992, sorry, there've been 25 sec championships, I think is the way he phrased it. Uh, let me find it real quick. Um, sorry. Oklahoma has won a remarkable 14 Big 12 championships in 23 seasons. Meanwhile, there have been 31 SEC championship games since 1992, of which Alabama has won 10, Florida 7, and no one else has won more than 5. So it it speaks to the depth in the conference. And he puts Oklahoma, if you were to take that same time frame since 1992 to now, he would put kind of them averaging 4.5 conference titles in that, or put the over-under at 4.5 for Oklahoma. And I, I think they'd probably be around the five. You know, I think they could probably be as much of a contender as Florida in a given year, but it's a tough conference. And the good thing about it is 
you don't have to win the SEC to win a national championship anymore. Not starting in 2024. You just got to get to the playoff. Do you have to be competitive in the SEC? Absolutely. Do you have to probably win 10 games on an SEC schedule? Probably. But you don't have to win the conference in order to go on and to contend for a national title. So one, that's the benefit of the playoff expansion. But two, I do think Oklahoma is going to be an SEC contender for what it's worth. I mean, that's going to be kind of the challenge is going to be getting over that contender hump hump and beating Alabama yearly, beating Georgia yearly, beating LSU yearly and being the SEC champion. Um, I think they could do it during Jackson Arnold's tenure because I do think he's going to be that dynamic of a quarterback for the Sooners. Um, and, and we're going to talk more about Jackson Arnold here in a second, but yeah, he's just he's just that good of a player, and I think he's got the right head on him to help lead Oklahoma. And in addition to all the talent that Brent Venables and his staff is bringing in into the SEC and be successful. It is a fascinating point in just the sense like, I think when we hear Oklahoma is going to become the new Nebraska, Nebraska has been a laughing stock. Okay. For, for really. Yeah. They had that nice run with Indomitian Sue and Jared Crick and they got to the big 12 championship game. And I think that that first little bit, John in the big 10, maybe that first year was nice for Nebraska, but largely for dating back, uh, you know, the last 20 some odd seasons, Nebraska's not been a good football program. And a lot of times they've been a losing football program. So when you hear Oklahoma is going to be the next Nebraska, you think that basically Stuart Mandel and others are saying that Oklahoma is going to be what they were in 2022, six and seven or worse, most seasons going forward. And I definitely don't see that being in the cards for Oklahoma, though. I can entertain if he's not meaning in that sense that maybe in 15, 20 years we look at it And, you know, Georgia, you mentioned Georgia not being a blue blood. I agree. Historically, they're not. I think, to me, I fashion Georgia a lot like I fashion Clemson over the last X amount of years. Have won national championships recently and are clearly one of the main powers in the sport today. But over the course of five, six, seven decades, you wouldn't feel that way about either Georgia or Clemson the way that you would feel about Oklahoma. To Stuart Mandel's point, are we 20, 25, 30 years from now with this SEC move for Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma not going to be thought of in that sense? I don't know that Nebraska, honestly, was necessarily thought of in that light anymore. Getting into uh, the Big Ten when they they were, they were kind of fringe blue blood status anymore when they joined that league. Oklahoma is very firmly entrenched as a blue blood type college football program, but that's going to be the beauty of it. We'll see. I think the cream, the crimson and cream will rise to the top for Oklahoma, but uh, we're going to have the beautiful uh, journey of finding out together. But I I think it'll be positive for OU. Hey, and there's one guy, John, that feels very good about Oklahoma's fortunes coming up in the near future. That would be our friend Josh Pate from CBS Sports from 24-7 Sports. So we'll share some of his thoughts with you coming up in just a moment. We're fired up, though. Our New partner here, FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com backslash locked in, where you backslash locked on, excuse me, where you can make every moment more. The uh, NFL championship weekend is here. Philadelphia, San Fran, Kansas City, Cincinnati. 
Can't wait. New customers, you join today, you get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed just by placing your first $5 bet. That is for new customers. Join today, get started, $150 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You can sign up at FanDuel.com slash on. So football fans, don't miss out. Go on over there, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So... Josh Pate is uh, somebody that's been on this meteoric rise throughout uh, the college football reporting industry. And he's established himself, John, I think it's safe to say, as one of the top voices really in in college football now. Uh, You know, think of maybe a Joel Klatt and several other voices that are national pundits to where, okay, you hear them speak and, and that's notable. Well, Josh Pate says... Expect a big bounce back season for Oklahoma. And the the most interesting thing, I think that Josh Pate said, he was down at the Elite 11, John. And he said, and I'll believe it when I see it. But he says, expect Jackson Arnold, not necessarily to win the job, but basically he will be in no way, shape or form surprised if Jackson Arnold is Oklahoma's starting quarterback at some point in 2023 it can create that kind of reaction what no i mean excuse me but i mean that's that's something else i yeah yeah it's possible i mean he's that talented of a kid i just think it'd be i feel like he'll kind of get the stiff arm from the coaching staff even if he's that good that it's dylan gabriel's job and unless dylan gabriel has some egregious games that it's going to be hard for you know them to pull him from a game. I don't think they're going to do the the dosi do that Lincoln Riley did with Spencer Rattler twice, and and pull Dylan Gabriel, knowing what they've got on the bench because of what happened to the last guy. You know, like and Jeff Levy's got a probably a much deeper relationship with Dylan Gabriel than Lincoln Riley had with Rattler. Um, so I I would argue. Yes, it's possible because Jackson Arnold is talented of a player, but I think it's improbable because I think this is Dylan Gabriel's team. He came back to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, and we saw in 2022 how little they trusted true freshmen to play, even when it meant they had no depth. Think Jaron Kanick at linebacker when you had your linebackers playing 90 to hundred snaps in games and you didn't feel comfortable rolling out one of your true freshman linebackers for a series just to spell them. I, I, so it leads me to be a little leery of kind of buying into the idea that Jackson Arnold could compete for the starting quarterback job in 2023. I likewise would be highly, highly surprised to me. You've got again, the, You've got the buy him one year for Jackson Arnold, right? Get to tutor, learn from, uh, go through the mentorship, the apprenticeship with Dylan Gabriel. That's valuable for Jackson Arnold. It's in Oklahoma's best interest. I've said it. I don't know how many weeks and months in a row now, John, for Dylan Gabriel to be Oklahoma's starting quarterback in 2023. Unless, like Josh Pate was saying, that it's, again, a beautiful thing to where – He's just that good. And if he's that good, then, hey, I, I would I would love for him to get the opportunity. But I will be surprised if the coaching staff, John, is, you know, 
he he might be that good, but the the just the mental portion of it, the ins and outs of the playbook, just everything that encompasses being a division one power five at the University of Oklahoma starting quarterback. Dylan Gabriel's ready for that. So you got a buy one, buy one, get one year for Oklahoma at the quarterback position for Jackson Arnold, which I think is huge. What about just his general optimism for Oklahoma? Does that make you feel better that Josh Pate is he's hitching his wagon? His he's he's hitching to the schooner that Oklahoma is a by now, people, a definite bounce back candidate. And a couple of the reasons that he cited, John. Many of the items we've talked about right here. Number five, recruiting class. Number eight, transfer portal class. And uh, he didn't really talk about just the confidence in Brent Vittles and the staff itself, but those those two components he felt really, really good about for Oklahoma as a bounce back. Yeah, I think the transfer portal class more than the recruiting class gives me confidence that this defense is going to be better, which gives me confidence that the team's going to be better. Because unless you're, you know, cutting the points allowed to fewer than 30, closer to 25, you know, points per game, then I'm not sure that this team will improve from a win totals perspective. But given the fact that they've added so much defensive talent with college football, power, you know, power five production in their history, in their careers, it's going to make the defense as a whole better. You're going, you're adding more depth. And then you add in the the recruiting class, you add in the guys that were 2022 signees and rollies that have now spent a year in Norman and are ready to take on significant roles in the defense that are more ready to be a part of Oklahoma's defense than maybe some of those guys that departed in the transfer portal, the 15 defensive players that departed in the transfer portal. Your Robert Spears, Jennings, Gentry, Williams, those guys are now ready to step into significant roles for the Sooners. Will that happen? Maybe, maybe not but they've spent a year with Oklahoma. So everybody's got had more time to acclimate to the defense, understand what's what is required of them, their responsibilities. And then you bring in all this transfer talent like Deshaun McCullough, Ronald Bothroy, Davin Sears, Jacob Lacey, Reggie Pearson, Trace Ford. I think that's everybody. I might be leaving somebody out. They're still maybe targeting a linebacker. They had somebody in from Virginia this past weekend. So that talent group alone gives me the confidence that this defense is going to be better, which means I think the team is going to be better. Maybe I'm merging a couple of our, our topics here, but the fact that a PJ Adabare, the, the latest, if you missed it, we're in final recruiting ranking season, right? What was it just the other day? You and I ran down the, the ESPN, well, number of Oklahoma Sooners in the ESPN 300. And what was the number, John? Eight or nine? I'm, I, think, I can't remember. I think it was eight. Let's just, let's just go with eight. I'm pretty sure it was eight Sooners in the top 300. Neither here nor there. The point is this. You've got two Sooners, according to 24-7 Sports' final rankings, in the top 10, John. Not not the top 50, not the top 100, the top 10. And how many programs nationally can boast that claim in this signing class, John? Uh, just one. That's Alabama. They have three players in the top 10, but no other team in the country has multiple players in the top 10 
in the top 247. So we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, what Oklahoma has done, what they did in the on three, uh, 300, the on 300, uh, and how it closely relates to what Alabama's done. Now, Oklahoma's got to build the depth in the top 100 like Alabama has, but you have a couple top 10 prospects that's going to eventually trickle down to you continuing to add top 10 talents year in, year out. It's, it's the thing that has me optimistic for the future of the program is that in such a short time, Oklahoma's recruiting went from pretty good under Lincoln Riley to great under Brent Venables and crew. And, you know, they had a top eight class in 2022. They put it together in two months. In one year, they put together a top five recruiting class. Given two years, what could the 2024 class look like? Especially if you end up add, adding a guy like David Stone or a Michael Hawkins on the recruiting trail. Like, what could this class ultimately be for the Sooners by the end of, you know, by the early signing period later this year or National Signing Day? Because this, this staff, they can recruit. They can flat out recruit. If they do anything well right now, it's recruit whether it's the defensive staff or the offensive staff. We've seen DeMarco Murray be able to recruit four-star running backs seemingly at will. Um, I mean, you look back at some of the stuff that transpired with some guys like you know, Seth McGowan and Mikey Henderson. That's, that's not within his control. Like He can't control what those guys did off the field. But they were talented players on the field. But then he followed that up with getting Eric Gray in the transfer portal. Followed that up with getting Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawcheck, and then added Caleb Hicks and Dalen Smothers this year and is looking really good to add another four-star running back in Jeremy Payne for the 2024 cycle. So, and Caden, Caden Durham, another four-star running back in the 24 cycle. So it's like he's constantly bringing in these four-star talents every recruiting class. And then we know the Bill Bedenboe Developmental School of NFL Offensive Linemen is always open for business and it's going to be another great group moving forward. You know, I think there are already really great projections for the Sooners in 2024. So I feel really confident about the future of this program because this, this group of coaches just flat out recruits and they're, they're able to, to sell kids on the university of Oklahoma. I mean, I haven't even mentioned Todd Bates yet. The one-time national recruiter of the year for 24 seven sports. So it's going to make a big difference. You know, I think this year we'll see some of that play out because of, the impact the 2022 class will make. And, you know, a few of the 2023 guys might be able to stand out like PJ Adabare, but it's 24, 25. That's the year you really get to see Brent Venable's team take hold. You know, this is not really on our scripted list of topics here or our planned list of topics, but just, you know, taking part in our discussion tonight and listening to a little bit of, what well i guess reading and thinking about what Stuart mandel wrote back about oklahoma's jump to the sec impending jump josh pate's thoughts on his upcoming season and then just you and i's discussion right here john i've gone back and forth and i find myself waffling through it because i am keeping or am trying to keep a long-term approach here with oklahoma i think that I think 2024 is the quote-unquote make-or-break year for OU. That's the year that we should all have our compasses pointed to. And maybe even 25, assuming that these next couple of seasons go well enough to where Brent Venables is here and we feel now at that point 
pretty comfortably, pretty comfortably in the sense that he's not going anywhere. He is here for the long haul. His job's safe. This is his program. He's building it in a good direction. Maybe even 2025 is the year that we look at to say, okay, he's fully built this thing up. Where is Oklahoma at that season? That's the true measuring stick. Having said that, I do think, again, Stuart Mandel's comments, Josh Pate's remarks, what we've discussed, how Oklahoma's season played out this last year. I'm coming back around, if I can politician this thing, to the idea that 23 is just gigantic for Oklahoma in the sense that, yes, we're probably going to have a better idea of who and what Oklahoma ultimately long-term is going to be for 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 this fan base under Venables in 24. But man, it doesn't necessarily bode well, I don't think, for Oklahoma, John, if they don't go into the SEC sort of back on previous footing where they've been in the Big 12 Conference. So I don't know. Maybe that's a con- an extended conversation for another day, but Mandel and Peyton, our discussion here just got me thinking, oh no, I- I've led myself to believe that 2024, I'm trying to be patient, and yet 2023 is a massive season for Oklahoma. It just is. Had Dylan Gabriel not come back, had they not done what they did transfer portal, my expectations for Oklahoma in 23 would not be super, super high. But given what they've done, I think they can contend for the Big 12 title. If you contend for the Big 12 title, as Josh Pate said previously, or no, Joel Klatt said previously, if you contend for the Big 12 title, you're potentially contending for the college football playoffs or a college football playoff berth. And so I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that Oklahoma could get back to 10, 11 wins this next season. I'm going to kind of hedge a little bit and not get there just yet. I think eight feels comfortable right now, maybe nine. And that's sheer, surely off the fact that I think the defense is going to be better. So you're not giving up a lot of, you're not going to have as many 30 point games next season as you did this past season. And then there's going to be some regression to the mean on the close losses. You're not going to go 0 and 5 in one score games again in 2023. I don't think you're going to have as many one score games. But even if you do, I think you'll split, you're more likely to split those games. Say if you had five one score games, you're more likely to split those going two and three or three and two than you are to go 0 and 5. And two more wins off this season, it's an eight and five team. So, that's kind of where I rest a little bit is like, all right, I feel like this team is, is better than what they showed and they're going to be deeper than what they showed in 2022. And that gives me some, a little bit more optimism about where they could end up. I think they're, I'm kind of falling in the, you know, the floor for them is probably eight wins. I can see a ceiling where they're going into the big 12 championship as a 10, 11 win team and potentially playing for an opportunity to get into the college football playoff. But I'm not going to set that as my prediction just yet, but I do think it's definitely within the reasonable potential outcomes for them in 23. And it it is huge because you go into the SEC in 24, and again, as talented as Jackson Arnold is, to say, okay, you're one for you as a full-time starter, going to the SEC, better get us to the playoff. I mean – we saw what happened with Spencer Rattler when he took over. It got a little shell shocked. Like there were, it, it was a difficult transition for him. And I'm not saying that they're the same quarterback or they have the same mentality or the same dog in them or, you know, whatever it is. I w- I'm just using that as an example to kind of temper expectations for what's possible 
Because if we remember back to the glory days of our quarterbacking, you know, Josh Heupel, like, was an experienced player coming to Oklahoma. I mean, Sam Bradford, like, he was a unicorn, like, stepped in right away, was dominating right away. But then you look at the rest of it, and you don't see many true freshmen just coming in and or, you know, redshirt freshmen even coming in and just playing lights out from the beginning. You had Baker Mayfield had some experience at Tech, came to Oklahoma, played great. Kyler Murray didn't really play a ton at AM, but played some, came to Oklahoma, played great. Jalen Hurts, you know, that's the big debate on social media right now. But he went to Alabama, played, you know, fairly well, played well enough to get them to a couple title games, and then came to Oklahoma and found himself as a passer under Lincoln Riley. Uh, and that's brings me to another point but i think that the future oklahoma alabama game should be for the the jalen hurts trophy um the the rights to claim jalen hurts as a player but uh or maybe not jalen can claim whatever he wants to but um all that to say is 24 is going to be kind of the temper expectations year i want to see oklahoma in the sec before i'm willing to like say yeah they're a tight they're an sec contender a title contender but you're right. 23 is huge. This is kind of your big shot to make a big statement on the national scene before you go to the SEC and potentially have to take a bit of a step back as you try to wade your way through the Georgias and Floridas and Alabamas and LSUs and Auburns. And you know, I, not all those teams are elite teams, but every once in a while they are. And it's a growing and, and deepening league itself. So this next year is huge for Oklahoma. Well, I just think, John, I've said it here before. I've said it on the radio before. To me, there's only so long OU is going to be able. And what a novel concept. What a brilliant marksman Josh Helmer is. But there's only so many years that OU can finish six and seven and pump out a top five signing class. I just, because of the location of Oklahoma, hey, you're right right down the street from Dallas Fort Worth and that's huge that's a massive metroplex you're not too far away from Houston and just the state of Texas in general and Oklahoma's been able to now go pluck some really talented players off the east coast and into some of those old recruiting grounds that Brent Vittables and and the staff over there at Clemson were able to build those relationships in but again I think that's that's only so long you can go down that road and be six and seven or be even eight and four. I look at uh, I look at just the general momentum for Oklahoma, John, and they need, you know, you said eight, I think, you know, just a reasonable baseline. To me, I'm going to up that one game, and I'm going to say nine. And the reason I say nine is because of this. There is no challenge on the non-conference schedule for Oklahoma next season. So for that reason alone, if there was, if – say we were a little further down the road and we're talking about a Michigan in your non-conference portion of the schedule, like is on there, right? Or, you know, Georgia was going to be on there in these couple of seasons coming up or, you know, Clemson down the road or Alabama or you name it. There is no Ohio state Tennessee game. There is none of that on the non-conference portion of the schedule for OU. It's Arkansas, it's SMU and it's Tulsa. That means that you start three and oh next season, the same way you did this season. So to me, if you're right there, five and four in Big 12 play, John, that to me is – that's disappointing. That's not a great sign. And from the momentum standpoint for OU, I think it's imperative that they have a great 2023. Again, 
to set themselves up going into the SEC with still some momentum rolling downhill. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think with this 2023 signing class, the 2022 class, the transfer portal class, we're heading in the right direction. And I think it's it's nine or ten wins. I think that's reasonable also to expect. Nine or ten wins isn't a you know a stretch for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023. And we're going to look forward to continuing to get you ready for that season. We're, I don't know, eight months away right now from week zero maybe. Go ahead, Josh. This is not of great importance to Oklahoma fans, I guess. But just since it's the final show we'll do before these games are played, we don't have to be long-winded on this. I think Kansas City for the first time, in this past calendar year is going to find a way to beat Cincinnati. I do think that Patrick Mahomes is just healthy enough. So I'm picking Kansas city in the AFC championship game. I do think Philadelphia at home, just a little bit better than San Francisco. And I worry about the Brock Purdy factor there. Jalen hurts. I think he's going to be playing for a super bowl. It wouldn't it be a wild, unusual, almost fitting storyline in some way, shape or form if and when we get to that point, if Jalen Hurts wins a Super Bowl, John, and the first Oklahoma quarterback to win a Super Bowl, because, again, we've done this little song and dance with Aikman in the past, right? But Oklahoma fans won't claim Aikman. Are you going to claim Jalen Hurts as a Super Bowl champion if and when he wins a Super Bowl? I, I think Kansas City is going to win this Super Bowl. But Philly's not too far away, and I do think they're playing for it. The idea of the Philadelphia Eagles winning another Super Bowl before my Dallas Cowboys crushes my soul. But the idea of Jalen Hurts winning a Super Bowl uplifts it because I just really like that dude. I, I like what he kind of stands for. I like his work ethic. I just think – I feel like he's a great example of how to go about your business as an athlete. You know, you do it quietly you you make get you make gains quietly you know what i mean you can have all the highlight videos you want to have but unless you're doing the work they don't amount to anything but that dude just does the work he just goes and does work um and we saw it in when he was in norman you know early on in his tenure there and that's what garnered him so much respect and uh the players just flock to him because of the work ethic that he showed. And so I think if, you know, like when my kids are coming up, like I'm going to point them to Jalen hurts. Like you may not, there might not be something that you're good at right now, but let me show you this guy who wasn't a very good passer when he came to Norman based on his history at, at Alabama, but look what he became, look what he worked hard at to become. And yeah, I mean, work ethic matters. And, and sometimes life isn't easy and sometimes, you know, things don't come easily you got to work at them to improve them, and you can. And Jalen Hurts is proof of that. So in that vein, I kind of want him to win a Super Bowl. But against the stinking Eagles, so I don't know how I can feel about it because the Eagles, but it is Jalen Hurts. So best of luck to everybody on championship weekend. Just not Joe Burrow, please. Just not Joe Burrow. But then there's Joe Mixon and some Ajay Pirine. It's, the NFL is so complicated. Joe Burrow just annoys me. I'm so over his fashion and his cigars and everybody thinking he's cool. It's just, guys, such an annoying quarterback. Everybody just like fawns over Joe Burrow. He's so great. Whatever. It's, this dates back to the Peach Bowl, clearly for you. 
And I understand a little bit of what you're talking about. And obviously he burnt, can- burnt Kansas City directly last year. I do dig myself some Joe Burrow, but this uh, this conference championship uh, weekend, I can't wait. It's painted crimson, man. There's all sorts of Sooner influences all yeah. over. It's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be fun. If you've got a favorite Sooner that you're rooting for, you're going to have a lot of fun this weekend. Um, and also, like, you know, Trent Williams for the 49ers, man, his story has been remarkable, uh, you know, kind of cast off from Washington, you know, after his ten his career there and just didn't get great medical care by the staff there. And then to go to San Francisco and almost like, have the better part of his career in the later stage of his career where now he's considered the best offensive lineman in, in football is, is crazy. And then Lane Johnson, obviously with the Philly as well. And um, yeah, the, the chiefs connections with Blake bell and it's, it's fun. It's fun to Creed be a Sooner Humphrey, fan. Orlando. Yeah, Brown. Creed Humphrey. Duh. Yeah. Creed Humphrey. Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown. Duh. 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 Thank you. Kansas city chiefs fan, Josh Helmer. Uh, number one fan. So enjoy championship weekend. It's honestly one of the best weekends in sports because it's two fantastic games. Go chiefs, go Eagles. That's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to the show, wherever you get your podcasts We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube, go over there, hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, be here for our Monday night live stream, 9 PM central time here on YouTube and join the chat. It's a lot of fun. They have a lot of great discussion in the chat as we're discussing the latest in Oklahoma Sooners related sports. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer Sooner.